Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. And so we're going to dive right in uh, to this uh, morning, this morning's teaching. Uh, so if you brought a Bible with you, I'm going to ask you to find John chapter 13, but also find Jeremiah 3. So John is the fourth book in the New Testament, and then Jeremiah, it's close to Isaiah in the Old Testament, but Jeremiah chapter 3. John 13, Jeremiah 3. While you're going there, um, just a question to consider. I don't necessarily, this probably wouldn't be a good one to yell out, me, um, but... Uh, have, have you, and maybe that's not even the right way to ask it, when is a time that you've experienced betrayal? Right? Because there, there's a level, if you've been alive for about longer than five minutes, this has happened, right? Some form, right? Some are, are really, really deep and, and really hurtful and, and, and impacting, and others are less so, but they still feel betrayed. Nonetheless, I can remember early on in our marriage, Christina betrayed me. Yeah, me too. We sat down for dinner. She claimed she was making dinner. And so I was excited. She said, said, what is it? She said, macaroni and cheese. I said, I love macaroni and cheese. And then when it came in front, there was tuna in the macaroni and cheese. There is a level of betrayal we have been working through years, okay? <laughs> Trust shattered, <laughs> right? But there's low levels of betrayal, and then there's deep ones, like tuna in the mac. But, right, like the, the reality is, right, when we're talking about betrayal, we're really, we're talking about being deeply hurt by someone who you loved, someone who you trusted. And I wonder when you think about the time where you faced that, like what feelings did you feel? Like, what, what was going through your mind? What was going through your heart? What, what actions did you take? How did you respond? You know, maybe for you, did you, did you try to hurt them back? Right? I'm going to make sure you feel what I felt. Maybe, maybe in what you did is you nursed along the anger and the bitterness instead of feeling the sadness that comes with betrayal. Right? Uh, maybe you use the, the old adage that, you know, best revenge is a life well lived. And so you decided, I'm going to be more disciplined. I'm going to set new boundaries. I'm never going to let anybody get close to me like that again so that they won't be able to hurt me. Right? Like, how did you respond to those? Because every one of us has or will face some level of betrayal in our lives. And you have to understand that retaliation won't make it better. It won't solve it. But neither will running. Right? Those are, tend to be the two routes that we go. We either retra- retaliate to try to get somebody back or we run away right? by cutting them out of our lives, by getting away from the situation and trying to forget it. But what will happen is retaliation will make your heart hard and you can never run far enough away from the situation that you face. And so what I want to do today is I want to show you from the Bible that Jesus faced betrayal. Jesus faced betrayal. And I want to show you how Jesus faced it. And then I want to invite you to consider one decision that is very, very different than retaliation. And it's very, very different than running away. And so we're going to be starting in John 13. We're going to make our way to Jeremiah 3 at one point. So keep both of those places ready to go. But before we go any further, I do want to take a moment and pray. So let's bow our heads and pray together. Lord, I recognize that 
as a church family, we're about to pull back the lid on a can that maybe for some of us, we, we don't want to pull that lid off. Uh, in fact, we have hidden that can far in the back, uh, never to be looked at, inspected, scrutinized, talked about. And so even the fact that we are creeping into that this morning, there's a level where some of us feel threatened. Uh, some of us, our anxiety is immediately going up. We're wondering, what are we going to walk through in the scriptures in this today? My prayer would be this, Lord, that rather than coming at this with arms extended, uh, keeping us at a distance, that rather we would ask your Holy Spirit to empower us to hear what you have to say and then grant us the ability to trust that your word is true uh, and that your spirit can grant us the courage and the power to do the things you invite us to do. So my prayer is simply that we would have the ability to hear you with clarity this morning. We ask all these things in the great name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Okay, we are starting in John chapter 13. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 18 and read the next couple of verses. You can follow along in your Bible. It'll also be on the screen behind me. And it says this. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. He says, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill this passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified. Justified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread, which I, when I have dipped it in the dish, then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him what you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Now, there, there's a lot of things happening in this passage, but there's one really central truth that I want you to see coming from this passage, and it's this is that Jesus loved Judas. You need to know that. Jesus loved Judas. And, and for, for many of us who may be familiar with the Bible or familiar with the gospel accounts, you hear the name Judas immediately, all kinds of negativity comes to mind, right? And you begin to think, Judas, oh, he's the backstabber. Judas, he's the thief. Judas, uh, Judas, he's the one who at times he's disingenuous. Judas, he's the traitor. Judas, he's the betrayer, right? He's the one who surrendered Jesus over to the people who wanted to kill him. And all of that's true. All of that is completely true about Judas. And what else is true 
is that Jesus loved Judas. And, and I know for some of us, we're going, how in the world can, can that be the case and be true? Because how would Jesus have these warm feelings and these warm emotions for Judas? Well, you have to understand that love, while it includes feelings, it's far more than feelings. See, the way that the Bible defines love is this, that love is unselfish commitment to another through actions. That that's actually how the Bible defines love. Unselfish commitment to another through actions. And often this unselfish commitment supersedes feelings. That even when you don't feel warm, even when you don't feel loving, even when you don't feel very connected to somebody, love invites you into unselfish commitment. That's actually less about you and more about the person on the receiving end, right? I want you to imagine for a moment, I want you to imagine that you could see into the future, okay? That, I don't know, maybe you're, I don't know, you flash back to when you're 16 or 17, and, and life is great for some of us, uh, right? <laughs> you, you go back, and you can see the future. You can see what's getting ready to happen, and imagine that you knew the person that you were going to marry, the, your spouse, imagine that you could see in the future and you knew that your spouse was going to cheat on you. Just play that out for a moment. You could see it. You knew it was going to happen. You knew that the person you were going to marry was going to cheat on you. Here's the question. Would you love them anyway? Would you love him anyway? Would you still marry her, knowing what you know is going to happen, would you still live with unselfish commitment toward that person anyway? Would you do it? Could you do it? This is exactly what Jesus did with Judas. This is exactly what happened. Because Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew it from the beginning. And Jesus still chose Judas to be one of his disciples, one of the 12. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, and Jesus still invited Judas to be a part of ministry. When Jesus is sending them out two by two, Judas is there sharing the gospel, praying for people. I imagine he was witness, maybe even a part of miracles. When Jesus was feeding the 5,000, Judas was one who was handing out pieces of fish and bread, right? Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him, and Jesus still washed his feet along with the other 11. Jesus still had a place at the table for Judas at the Last Supper, What's remarkable to me, and it's, a, it's an often overlooked detail, is that part of the account where Jesus says, you know, John says, who's going to betray you? Who is it? And he says, to the one I give this piece of bread dipped in this bowl. It was common practice. It didn't happen at every meal, but it was not, it was, it was people understood what was happening, that the host of the meal would actually take a piece of bread, uh, dip it into the bowl, and grab, it could be a piece of meat, it could be a vegetable, it could be whatever, but they, they grab it, they put it in there, and then they would hand it to another person at the celebration, and this was a sign of friendship. 
And Jesus hands this to Judas. And by the way, Judas was close enough to Jesus that he could hand it right to him. Think about that. The one who was going to betray Jesus was within arm's length during the Last Supper. Jesus loved Judas. In fact, he quotes Psalm uh, 41 verse 9 when David is recounting a time in his life where he's being beat down, his enemies are rejoicing at his failure, the fact that he's sick and he's probably going to die. And then Peter, or excuse me, uh, David writes this. He says, a friend who was very, very close to me, who shared meals with me, betrayed me. Jesus used that passage to define what was going on. He's talking about Judas. Someone who was on the inside, someone who was a part of what's going on, he, who, someone who was a close, intimate, personal friend, betrayed me. And then when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, the passage says that Jesus was troubled in spirit. That phrase, troubled in spirit, in the Greek, literally means full of sorrow, full of grief. This is what it's used to describe someone who is suffering the loss of someone they love. These are the emotions Jesus is going through when he's thinking about that Judas is about to go betray him. You have to understand that Jesus loved Judas, yet Jesus, excuse me, Jesus never gave up on him. Even though Judas gave up on Jesus, even though Judas refused to trust Jesus, Jesus still loved him. And this is the hard truth. It is possible for someone to see God clearly. It is possible for someone to hear God speak to them directly. It is possible for a person to serve in ministry. It is possible for someone to appear as an insider with the gospel. It is possible for a person to experience the love of God firsthand, to look God directly in his eyes and remain spiritually dead. It's possible because we see it. In the life of Jesus. How? Why? How can this be? Because God does not force anyone to love him. He invites you. He's the one who opens your eyes. But you still have to receive it. You still have to decide to love him back. To walk with him. To respond. And so Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. And yet Jesus still loved Judas. Now here's some of the crossover. God knew that you would betray him. God knew that. God knew that you would betray him. And I know for some of us, you're going, well, wait a second. How did we get from Judas to me? I don't understand that. That was a really quick transition. And how in the world did I betray God? Let me explain that very quickly. You see, you were made in God's image. You were made in God's image. And what that means is that you were created to know God. You were created to love God. And you were created to rely on God for absolutely everything. That's what it means to be made in the image of God. It's to know him and to love him and to rely on him for everything. And sin is refusing to live that way. 
Sin is refusing to know God. Sin is refusing to love God. Sin is refusing to rely on God and instead rely on myself. Sin is rejecting God as leader. And I think I'll go ahead and do what I want to do with my life instead. I'll trust in my own resources. I'll trust in my own abilities. That's, that's sin. And we're all guilty of it. And so if you've actually got Jeremiah chapter 3 ready to go, uh, flip over to that um, and look at verse 3. It says this. This is God speaking. He says, only understand fully and acknowledge your wickedness and guilt. And here's what that is. That you have rebelled. You've transgressed against the Lord your God and have scattered your favors among strangers under every green tree, and you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. Right? And so our, our problem is, is that we've rebelled. Our problem is, is that we've resisted. We've chosen our own way. And you have to see and you have to understand that we have betrayed God. We've betrayed God's, God's expectation for our lives. Instead of surrendering to God's desires, we've surrendered to our own. And so what becomes very clearly is it's easy to look at Judas and point a finger at him and go, what a bad man, what an evil man, what a villain, what, what a traitor, what a betrayer. And the fact is, you're Judas and I'm Judas. Why? Because we've betrayed God's expectations for our lives. Now, here's the thing. Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. God knew that you would betray him. And yet God loves you anyway. You see, God still created you anyway. God put his image in you anyway. And God provided the solution for your betrayal. God provided the solution for your sin. See, you and I are the very reason that Jesus came to earth and died on the cross. We're why, right? It wasn't because he didn't have anything better to do. It didn't because he had an open Tuesday or a Friday. It's because, it was because of us. It's because of our betrayal, and Jesus did not die for his own sins because Jesus never sinned. He never betrayed God even once. He never turned off to do his own thing instead of fulfilling God's will. Jesus lived the absolute perfect human life in a sin-filled world. Jesus is the final sacrifice for your betrayal. And what Jesus did on the cross is he took on the identity of a traitor. Jesus took on the identity of a betrayer. Jesus took on the punishment of a traitor in your place and in my place, even though he's the only faithful one. And I, and I want you to hear this because some of you are going, oh, wow, I guess I never realized, like, I guess I never really understood that, that I'm, I'm the betrayer, I'm the Judas. I want to tell you this. In this world, it is never too late to turn. It is never too late that when you see that, you go, I don't think I want to do that anymore. And I want to turn to the Lord. I want to put my hope in the Lord. I want to know him. I want to love him. I want to learn how to rely on him for absolutely everything in my life. Because what happens is when the Holy Spirit opens up your eyes to your own betrayal against God, there is this desire inside of us that we want to make it right. We know something's wrong. We see it with clarity and we want to make it right. And this is exactly Judas' mistake. See, Judas' mistake, when you read through the rest of the Gospels, especially Matthew, he realized what he had done. And the scriptures say that he was filled with remorse. Right? He was overwhelmed with remorse. And so you know what he did? He tried to make it right. 
He, the, the 30 co- silver coins he got for selling Jesus to the leaders, he threw it back at them and said, I don't want this. I've betrayed an innocent man's blood. And he, and he tried to give it back and he realized that that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough to make it right. So you know what he did next? He went out and he killed himself to try to pay for his own sins. By the way, that's the pathway of sin every time. Sin always leads to death. Sin always leads to destruction. And so Judas, in an effort to pay for his own sins, actually ended up losing everything. You see, you have to understand, you can't make it right on your own. You can't do it. You can't unring the bell. You can't undo the wrong. You can't unbetray the betrayal, right? And so it's easy to look at Judas and look at all the things we should not do. But I want to tell you, there was someone else who was at that dinner. There was a disciple by the name of John. And in John chapter 13, verse 23, John is described in a certain way. And by the way, this is the first time this language is used about John. While Judas is getting ready to betray Jesus, you see this language in John chapter 13, verse 23, it says this. Actually, let's read this passage out loud together, starting with one of them. Are you ready? Go. One of them, the disciple was reclining next to him. This is the first time that language is used in the gospel of John. John is writing and he says, one of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved. John is referring to himself in this moment. And the first time, well, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because I'm very excited to share this with you. But what, what, what I think is really, really critical here is don't try to pay for your own sins because you can't do it. Because if you do, if you try to pay for your own sins, guess who you're relying on to make the payment? Yourself. Guess how life is designed? If you're walking with God, you're designed to rely on him for everything. And so don't try to pay for your own sins. Instead, John gives us a hint in what we can be doing. Recline on Jesus. Recline on Jesus. That word recline means rest. It means to stop moving. It means to lie back. It means to be inactive and just put all of your weight and all of your hope on Jesus. And so don't try to pay for your own sins. Instead, rest, rely on Jesus. You see, this was a key difference between Judas and John. See, Judas saw himself as the betrayer. He recognized that he betrayed him, and he said, I did this. I have to figure out how to undo it. Where John, by the way, also betrayed Jesus. When Jesus is arrested, where's John? Gone with everybody else. And so John's a betrayer too. But I want you to look, look what, as John is writing, he's looking back on this moment. Look at the identity that he takes on. He doesn't see him, John the betrayer. He sees himself as the one whom Jesus loved. That is the key difference between Judas and John. Judas saw it as his responsibility, his requirement to try to repay a debt that he had created. And John saw that Jesus had already done all the work. And he just rested on him. And he just reclined on him. 
And so learn to rest on Jesus. And so you might go, how do I do that? How do I recline on Jesus? And I think the first way is this, is you simply have to receive Jesus' forgiveness and new life. You just receive it, right? You don't work for it. You don't pay for it. You don't earn it. You don't throw the coins back. You don't do any of that kind of stuff. You just receive the work that Jesus did on your behalf. That's it. That's, but that's what you do when you rest. What work are you doing when you're resting? You're not. You're not doing any work. You're receiving all the blessing of someone else's work. And so you've got to, the first way to recline on Jesus is you have to learn how to humbly receive Jesus' gift of forgiveness and new life. I, I think another way to recline on Jesus is to simply have this attitude of thankfulness. Right to come to Jesus with overwhelming thankfulness that if you're in Christ and, and I don't mean thank you know thankful I'm thankful for this warm home I'm thankful that we have all this food in our cabinet I'm thankful that we have a car that runs that's fine I'm not saying you shouldn't thank God for that I'm just saying spending time thanking Jesus for things that are far 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 deeper things like salvation that doesn't require work on my my part what if, what if what if you started your day what if moments throughout the day you just spent time thanking Jesus for his salvation? What if you spent time thanking Jesus that you have an inheritance waiting for you in heaven that is incorruptible, right? And you get all of it, not some of it, you get all of it. What if you spent time thanking Jesus that you're adopted as a son and a daughter of the king, used to be an enemy, used to be under wrath, used to be on the other side of the line, and now you're a son, you're a daughter. You have a new name. You have a new life. God, thank you for adopting me. I know I shouldn't be, but, but thank you that I'm yours. What about thanking God that his Holy Spirit lives in you? God has literally given himself to live inside of you, to help you know who he is, to transform and renew your mind, to give you the desire to want to walk in righteousness and obedience to him. I think one of the ways we recline and we rest on Jesus, we just spend time thanking him. Here's another way to recline on Jesus, and this one actually might be the most challenging. Some of you guys will stop taking notes at this point. Slow down. Slow down. You have so filled your life with stuff, and you go from thing to thing to thing to thing. We got to get to this practice and this event, and then we're doing this thing, and then we're traveling here, and we're going there, and we're doing that, and all this stuff is going on, and you never have time to stop and recline on Christ because you're so busy trying to do more stuff as if you're going to miss out on the best part of life where if you're in Christ, you've already received the best part of life, right? And so just slow down. Some of you the greatest thing you could do is start crossing stuff off your calendar and start telling people no. And when your kid comes to sign up for the 27th thing, you say no. And they go, you're the worst parent ever. And you go, I know. (laughs) And you go, rest in Jesus. Perhaps one of the, and, and when you begin to slow down, it gives you time to go be with Jesus, to spend time with him in the scriptures, to spend time with him in prayer, right? And to just soak and be with him. There's an account where there's these two sisters, uh, Mary and Martha. I don't know if you've ever heard of this story, but Martha is busy doing all this stuff for Jesus. 
And Mary's just sitting at Jesus' feet enjoying him. And Martha goes, Jesus, Mary's not helping me. You tell her to start helping. And Jesus goes, no, she's doing the better thing, and I'm not going to take that away from her. Jesus said the better thing is to sit at his feet and just enjoy him. Some of you need to just recline at Christ's feet and stop doing, right, and rest. I'll tell you, one of the most helpful ways I have found to do that is simply being a part of my small group. Like, just there, what's happening is like that night, there's a group of us that are saying, I could be doing this, I could be doing that, I could be involved in that, but I'm going to pause and I gather with other people who want to know who Jesus is, who want to spend time praying, who want to build friendship, and we're just going to slow down and we're going to recline on Christ together. And so I know that for some of you, you're going, I don't have time for a small group. And that's the problem. That's the problem. This is the exact thing you need. You, you need an artificial moment where you learn how to stop and rest on Christ. And until you do that, you will just keep going and you'll burn yourself out. You know, it's actually this, you know, they just started. So by the way, you can still sign up. Those are in your, uh, in your bulletin and there's a catalog in there and it's on your connection card. So I encourage you to do that. But it's like, you know, our group met for the first time on Tuesday night and we just started sharing things about our lives. We started talking a little bit about God and then, you know, we started breaking into other areas of our life. And I found out that my small group, if there is... I don't know what the likelihood is, but if there is ever a zombie apocalypse, we are probably the best suited group out of anybody in Lighthouse community to survive this thing, okay? The skill sets that are there and the amount of time these people have spent thinking about it, I'm going to be okay. (laughs) You can't learn that about somebody on Sunday morning, (laughs) right? But what I'm more excited about is how much this group wants to know who God is. And we just want to recline on Christ together. It's phenomenal. And so if you haven't already done that, I would encourage you to think about that. One of the things that Jesus says after he washes the feet of his betrayer, in John chapter 13, verse 14, he says this, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. And one of the things that that becomes apparent about is that Jesus has washed you through salvation. He has washed you through salvation. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Jesus had also washed the feet of his betrayer right in that moment. Why? Because Jesus loved Judas. He still served him. He still loved him. Right? My question to you is this. Who has betrayed you? Who is the person that you trusted, maybe more than anybody else, or more than you realize now than I should have, who is the person who has stabbed you in the back? Who is the person who has hurt you? Who is that intimate friend you were supposed to be able to trust and you realize that you can't anymore? Was it a friend? He was a business partner. Maybe it was your child. Maybe a parent. For some of us, it was our spouse. And they've betrayed you. What happens is when you see what Jesus has done for you, 
when you realize that you are the betrayer to Christ and Christ still loves you and Christ still serves you and Christ still wants you to have all the blessings of a relationship with God through him alone. And when you receive what Jesus has done for you, what he actually enables you to do is to wash the feet of your betrayer. You can't do that on your own. You can't give away forgiveness to somebody who's hurt you. If you're doing that by yourself, you don't have it in you. But when you're reclining on Christ and the Holy Spirit is indwelling within you, there's this crazy ability to forgive people who have hurt you deeply. And, and what's amazing is it's so easy to put ourselves in the place of the victim, but I would throw this question out to you as well because I'm thinking about it, is who, has, who have you betrayed? Who have you stabbed in the back? Who have you hurt deeply? Because as much as Jesus enables us to forgive people, he also enables us to ask for forgiveness of the people whom we've betrayed and to come humbly before them. Transparently, um, a few weeks ago, uh, someone very close to me um, actually uh, lied about me and my family. Um, and uh, I, was, I was hurt. Uh, in fact, I was angry. I was ticked. Right? Like I was figuring out, again, just being transparent, I was figuring out how I was going to retaliate so that they would feel what I was feeling. They would know what I was going through that moment. I was also figuring out how to run away at the same time, meaning how do I cut this person out of my life? Right? I don't know that you've been there, but that's what was going through my mind. Because the reality is, is I wanted them to hurt. And so I could feel this bitterness growing and developing and expanding inside of me. And it was just making me sick to my stomach. And at the same time, I wanted to nurse it. I wanted to protect it and let it stay there and, right, and just let it grow and build because there was this level where I was getting some payoff from it. And so I knew this wasn't what God wanted for me to do. So I just spent time praying and I went to God and I told him everything, right? Like I just told him everything. I told him what happened as if he didn't know. I told him what I was feeling as if he didn't know. I told him what I wanted to do as if he didn't know. And I just let all of that out right in front of him. And as I was praying, the Holy Spirit began to remind me of who I was without Jesus. That without Jesus, I was not so dissimilar from this person. That without Jesus, I'm probably on the same trajectory as this person. And so essentially what the Holy Spirit is doing is he's reminding me of the gospel. He's reminding me of who Jesus is and what he's done. And all of a sudden, the thought hit me. That right now, in figuring out how to retaliate and in figuring out how to run away, I am betraying this person by withholding the gospel from them. And I saw that clearly. And I asked God to forgive me for what I was doing in that moment. And so I went to that person. And transparently, I was still angry. I was still hurt. There were still thoughts of, how do I get even in that moment? And I went to that person and I told them, I forgive you. I am not going to hold this over you anymore. I forgive you. 
we have to work on our friendship and to rebuild trust, but I forgive you. And I would love to tell you that in that moment, you know, waves of joy and happiness and emotion went over me. Quite honestly, I didn't feel much different after I said what I said. But it came about a day later and the hardness of my heart was melting away. And what's been amazing is since that time, I have found new ways to be able to serve this person and to genuinely love them, to live with unselfish commitment towards them, all because of Christ. When you see who you are, when you see what Jesus has done, when you rest on Jesus, when you see yourself, as the one whom Jesus loves. He actually empowers you to love the people around you, even the betrayer, because that's what Jesus did. And that's who he is. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. And we ask this question each weekend. I'm going to ask it again. The question is, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And I just want you to listen to him for a moment. And some of you, you don't always know how to answer that question when I ask that. You go, I don't, what do I do? Jesus, I don't know if that Jesus is speaking to me right now. But likely what is happening is the Holy Spirit is bringing a name, a face, a situation to your mind right now. And he's inviting you to trust him with that. And what I want to invite you to do right now is just recline on Christ. I know some of you, you're trying to figure out logistically, what do I do now? What's my next move? Do I text? Do I call? Do I whatever? Stop. Stop. Just recline on Christ. Lay on him and know that you are the betrayer, the one whom Jesus loved and gave his life for. And let that reality soak over you right now. And trust that the Holy Spirit will lead you in real time on how to wash the feet of the person who has hurt you. Or the person you've hurt. Lord, I recognize that what we're talking about this morning is so contrary to what, what would be considered normal thinking. And yet, the kingdom of God flips everything about our world upside down. That the greatest must become the servant, and the least of these will enter into the kingdom first. Will you Teach us and empower us to live the way of Christ, even though it costs us deeply. You only ask us to follow in your footsteps, walking with you hand in hand. Now, I know what I'm putting in front of you this morning is a lot. And some of you are going, this is impossible. And with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so here's what's going to happen. We want to pray for you. This is what makes these moments so powerful. 
And so what's going to happen is the band's going to come up and they're going to sing one more, or actually, they're going to be singing a number of songs, uh, but the prayer leaders are going to be available for the next song. So I'm actually asked the prayer leaders who are going to be available in each corner of the room, if they'll start heading to those locations so that people know that you're ready to to receive them in prayer. And you can pray about anything. It could be about what we've talked about this morning. It could be about something completely different that's on your heart and on your mind that you're trusting God to guide you through. Um, but please don't, don't pass up this moment. And so I, I want to invite you in just a moment. You're gonna, we're going to stand together and, um, and I'm going to invite you to come to pray. And, and you don't have to be a member of Lighthouse Community to receive prayer. And, you don't, and please don't ever be embarrassed to want to receive prayer because like all of us need prayer. Right? Like I need prayer and you need prayer and, and all of us. And so, man, don't let that be a barrier for you in your life. But I'm going to ask those who are here in the house, if you'll stand together as we get ready to worship the Lord this morning. And as we prepare, I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to invite you to come and pray as well. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.